You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by Armchair Critics of the Game. We are recording this episode on the final day of the fifth Ashes Test match, um, uh, which England have won right now. Um, so let me welcome my co-host Ajit, so we can talk about this. Hi Ajit. Hi Giri. How are you doing? How's the arm feeling? Uh, well, you mean my finger, my arm middle finger. finger. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure. I remember the whole arm was in a cast. That's why I thought. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. yeah, my middle finger is still immobile. It's safely secured inside a cast. Uh-huh. So I guess I can't use it at the moment. But I get it checked again next week. Uh, so they'll remove the cast and do another x-ray and then check if it has healed enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they'll put the cast back on, I think. But uh, other than that, not so bad. How are you? Yeah, going good. I mean, it has been a very um, restful sort of a weekend for me. And uh, first weekend in five weeks where I don't have a match. So I'm savoring the time I have on a Sunday, uh, sitting at home, following cricket and doing other things, you know, chores. So did you manage? Uh, did you manage to catch uh, the fourth day's play or the final yeah. day's play as uh, it turned out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was able to keep up with it more or less the whole day. Uh, I was mm-hmm. able to either follow it on uh, guerrilla cricket mm-hmm. or I was uh, looking at some uh, uh, some of it on TV. Yeah, it was a good day's play. Let me put it like this. It was a very exciting day's play if you are a test match enthusiast. So maybe we can dive right into it. So yeah. mm-hmm. it was a very interesting test match, right? Overall, if you look at it. Australia had come into a test match with a chance of winning the Ashes series outright. It's They have not won an Ashes series in England in 18 years. So this time they retained the Ashes on the uh, power that they had actually already won it in Australia. Yeah. But they did not win the Ashes series outright again in England. So the series finished 2-2 two, two all, right? So mm. um, the first innings 294 was a bit of a, uh, from England at least, it was a bit of a downer because... The way they started, you would expect from 170 for three, maybe they'll go to 400 and sort of make it very difficult for Australia. So they just made 294. But, you know, there was a 5-4 for Mitch Marsh. The returning Mitch Marsh, he was sort of, I think, if you remember uh, before the start of the fourth uh, test, he was let go from the squad. And I think that was sort of a, you know, reverse psychology used by Justin Langer there, where in order to motivate him, he was let go from the squad and told he needs to do more. Hmm. It was sort of a U-turn that he was brought back into the squad in the fifth uh, test and told he can emulate Ben Stokes. Hmm. Well, he did at least the bowling part. He took a 5-4. It was his hmm. first ever 5-4 in the international cricket. So, well done him. Yeah. So, international test cricket for sure. So, but what transpired next was more the more interesting part. So, Australia also subsided to 225. Here, there was the usual suspect, Stephen Smith. But outside of that, there were really not um, any other big contributions except for Labushin, who made 48. I think Labushin is also one of the finds for Australia as far as the series is concerned, right? For me, at least we can discuss this a bit later. So mm. Archer took a 6-4 again. So with another 6-4, he's again confirmed, of course, how good he is at the top level. And then this meant that, you know, surprisingly gotten a lead. The mm. England team would be themselves surprised that they had a lead at the end of uh, mm. the first mm. set of uh, innings. After which I think they batted very sensibly. So uh, yeah. here Denny gets a lot of credit and uh, so did Ben Stokes who built the innings with him, the second innings more or less. And everybody who came after him had a chance to hit out. So Josh yeah. Butler sort of went into a bit of a one-day mode, made 47. But outside of that, there was not a lot to write. 
and nathan mm-hmm. lyon took a 4-4 in the third innings and then marsh took two and siddle and cummins took two as well so mm-hmm. this meant you know this morning the first fourth day morning when uh, england were dismissed uh, i don't know if you saw that uh, did you follow the beginning of the day's play very early i caught up with uh, uh, the australian batting when I, when they came out to bat in the second innings but not ah. before that i didn't see the ta- tail being wiped out well i mean there was at least one nice thing to see stuart broad seemed to have a little bit overcome his fear finally of short pitch bowling or maybe it was all expected he hooked uh, cummins for two sixes in a in a one over wow okay so that was nice to see but after that i probably you can give us a nice uh, recollection of what you saw chasing 399 uh, what happened to australia <laughs> what happened to australia let me ask uh, let me rephrase the question what has become of david warner Uh-huh. I mean, what is happening out there? Because Stuart Broad dismissed him for the seventh time in this uh, test series. In all the five matches that David Warner have play- has played, he's been dismissed, dismissed seven times. Can you imagine that? I mean, uh, he has, as they call it, you know, he's, uh, he's his bunny, basically. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. And David Warner, uh, he was trying to be positive out there. I saw he tried to, you know, uh, there were some grimaces when he missed a few balls outside the off-stump, you know, just leaving the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he also hit a one, uh, well-timed uh, cover drive uh, and then i thought the david warner of the old was coming back you know he looked a bit more confident and suddenly yeah uh, he went out i mean he he got uh, he was uh, caught in the slips uh, and i think i believe in the second or the third slip by rory burns it was a good mm-hmm. catch good sharp catch again off the bowling of uh, stewart broad mm-hmm. uh, but stewart broad i think he had the better uh, of I mean, I think he bowled really well against those two openers, Marcus Harris as well as David Warner. I especially watched the dismissal of Marcus Harris, and that basically set the tone for the Australian batting that was to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stuart Broad bowled uh, a lovely in-swinger into the left-hander, so that would be an out-swinger. Right. The ball just uh, moved into the bat, uh, onto his pads, and uh, Marcus Harris confidently you know, flicked it towards mid-wicket boundary for a four. It was well-timed. Mm-hmm. and people were lauding him you know it was a very good shot well played and all that and the very next ball it was almost on the same line and also almost the same length but it was just i would say on the fourth stump the ball right. you know it seemed to come in towards the bat uh, towards his pads but then it just left the outside edge you know it it went and hit the off stump which mm-hmm. went cart billing so it was a fantastic right. sight to see uh, and stuart broad who was wicketless in the first innings uh, in the end i believe he picked up four wickets um i think australia had a very difficult task you know they they had a target of 399 to chase down i think it was also the last test match so and the bowlers were out there the fielders were out there for a long time england made sure that australia australian fielders were out in the field for a long time uh, the batting had to click it didn't even steve smith fell cheaply you know uh, right. by his own uh, high standards he went out for 23 runs uh, and there was some uh, stand between mitchell marsh and matthew wade mm-hmm. and also a little bit between uh, wade and uh, payne but apart from that there was nothing else only matthew wade stood out he made a brilliant century he finally got out for 117 runs but he was the only you know batsman who played well and who played the long innings he looked very positive mm-hmm. at the same time he was also very uh, choosy in his uh, stroke play uh, in the end australia were dismissed for 263 runs uh, well short of the target 399 mm-hmm. uh, Stuart Broad mm-hmm. picked up four wickets and so did uh, Jack Leach right so right. the ball was spinning towards the end and even Joe Root managed to pick up a couple of wickets yeah in the end i think england deserved to win this match but i i have to ask you this question going back to the first morning of the day's play 
the mm-hmm. toss mm-hmm. you know the toss was won by australia and australia you know, elected to field first do you think that was a good decision because oval traditionally has uh, been a good batting pitch initially and the fourth innings was always going to be difficult here so what do you think about that in hindsight it was definitely a mistake but also at that point in time justin langer himself was surprised at the decision taken by tim pain right so mm. maybe he was riding on the wave of uh, joy or confidence mm. that his bowlers had provided him from the victory in the fourth test right mm. Mm. so mm. he decided to insert england in apparently before going for the toss the discussion mm. between him and langer was that he would win the toss and elect to bat <laughs> and surprisingly he won the toss and elect to bowl this is how we do it at club level where your captain is suddenly switch the decision last minute based on something he saw or something he observed but at the yeah. highest level that's a bit of a surprise and mm. you know there is a saying in australian cricket i think ian chapel once said it on tv or something so uh, when you win the toss nine times out of 10 you bat first the 10th time you think a lot and you still bat first that's a saying mm. in australian cricket mm. right mm. so mm. they know that if you ride out the first hour maybe even uh, the first session out right mm. then the game is yours to play with and it's a good pitch to bat on so that was a real surprise but yeah. then look 294 is not a very bad total i mean it could have gone all wrong they could have gone to 400 but then mm. i think australia also let themselves down a bit in the Three. first innings so yeah. this again is totally due to the mastery of broad and archer so archer took 22 wickets in just uh, you know four mm. tests right mm. so that's a very good start for archer himself but the main credit i would like to give is to broad i mean in the absence of mm. james anderson he's really yeah. stood up and shown he can be the next leader of the attack if and when right. james anderson calls time on his career mm. right this guy can really lead the attack he's clearly shown yeah. that yeah. right yeah. that's one thing the other thing archer has come through beautifully so archer has actually delivered on his promise he's taken two six fours in the series so that's nicely done and of course look smith had to fail at some point in time right he wouldn't continue to always be successful so mm. he failed he chose the fourth innings of the uh, this test to yeah. fail and yeah. of course matty wade matty wade he he's done well he's scored 200s here but not a lot in between so something to also look up right 399 yeah. is going to be very tough so uh, let's say the back of this test was broken in that partnership between uh, stokes and denley so yeah. a lot of credit for that specific partnership for me i would say mm-hmm. denley was you know he he looked not really comfortable i think yeah. on guerrilla cricket they mentioned it was 94 for 3 rather than 94 Right. So there yeah, were three yeah. chances. Yeah. Uh, so uh, in this case, he was also once very lucky that there was a clear dismissal of the bowling of Seidel. I think, if I'm not wrong, which was not reviewed at all. I and think it was, was all three. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. March was it? Well, maybe yeah, it was March. Yeah. So it was one of those, right? So when you look at that, so he had a share of luck, but then he's an opener, so he needs his luck. We know that. Yeah. Right? Obviously, yeah. But Tim Payne, you know, Tim uh-huh. Payne. Tim Payne had a horrible uh, DRS uh, review again this match. I think. He 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 got a couple of them wrong well he didn't choose to review a couple of decisions one of them was i think denley's and mm-hmm. david denley went on to make 90 94 yeah. okay and then he caught a few blows did you see <laughs> he got hit yeah yeah, yeah. he got yeah. hit uh, in the place where they say the sun doesn't shine so oh. yeah 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 and he was down and uh, i think he was batting out with uh, joe root ah. and <laughs> joe root was having a laugh Okay. Uh, it was unbelievable it was uh, i think everybody wanted to go near him but at the same time they wanted to stay away yeah. it's, it's always like that i mean when when somebody you know or when you are playing and you see somebody get hit you'll always laugh it happened to me in the last game so yeah. one of my colleagues uh, in the club game got hit flush i think <laughs> i think you may be referring to the other polar opposite or to where the sun doesn't shine i think uh, you got it wrong but never mind we'll we'll talk about it offline i'm sure 
so he got it in the knacker he got it in the dick as i think uh, in, at some point in time uh, this is something ben stokes said in an interview or something really okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he got right, he tried it right good choice dick. of words okay. yeah okay so he did get it in the box unfortunately and yeah it it's always fun even it happens to somebody else but if you have ever gotten hit there man it can be very painful like terribly painful if i'm not wrong i think he also got hit at the same place when he was fielding oh. i think this was probably his second time man that that's that's terrible i mean i remember the jokes being made that he luckily his daughter was born one day before yeah okay yeah. you know yeah so yeah. that's very that's very unfortunate to hear that he got hit there even while fielding oh yeah and just spare a thought for him you know i think he he he, he was supposed to bat at number 4 like mm-hmm. he did when uh, jason roy was opening for england right and he made the ultimate of sacrifice of you know coming out to bat uh, or open the innings for them in the last two matches and he did reasonably well reasonably well and i think because of him england managed to i mean like you said i think that crucial partnership between him and uh, stokes basically sealed the match for them so it was he had a very important role in this uh, test match so well done to uh, joe denley look i mean i i think i disagree with you there so he was mm-hmm. actually more of a opener than uh, jason roy if anything this yeah. guy has actually spent the first half of his career uh, first class career as an opener or batting at 3 and then mm. then he moved down the order for his county team so i would say he was more suited to open and finally in the fourth and the fifth test the england uh, management saw fit to play him at the top and he's done good he scored a mm. 50 and a near 100 so well mm. done him and what worked is again in the third innings the openers got off to a 50 that was the only mm. 50 partnership in the entire england summer right mm. Mm. you know out of six tests so that's also mm. crazy i would say but then they got there and then also one of the main differences this was not exploited by england simply because of that guy steven smith right mm. australian opening pairs completely failed all the opening partnerships that in the 10 opening partnerships that yeah. would be possible there was 10 out of 10 failures for australia right <laughs> but with this guy coming in at 3 or 4 they never actually felt the brunt of it but otherwise it was terrible i mean yeah. also if you look at some of the other stats we'll not go into it too much here but the average of the top 6 outside of steven smith for australia was under 20 they somehow carried through the series by drawing it simply because of that one guy otherwise it was terrible it was very very bad so here i think uh, the mm. good work done by the england bowlers was not actually visible because again because of that guy otherwise there was even a chance england may have edged a test or two they may even take the series is what i'm saying so all mm. kudos to steven smith i mean i'm sure he was the man of the series so really his bradman has formed and his head and shoulders above every other test batsman out there i think i mentioned this offline nakul pandey uh, who has also done guest episodes with us may have at some point i mentioned that uh, this was while the fourth test was in progress and i think steven smith made a 200 so he needs to actually score 22 ducks in a row to get to the average of kohli who's nice. probably undisputedly the second best test batsman out there right? Right, right right can you imagine that's how far ahead steven smith is of the next best wow. batsman so in your uh, f1 parlance what you always say hmm. man on the pole has actually uh, lapped the man in the second position literally mm-hmm. that's yeah. almost unheard of right yeah i mean it's also good return to form for him you know uh, after that absence uh, mm-hmm. following that uh, well. uh, cape town episode uh, i think and the other thing is marnus labushain i think he's also a good find i think you touched upon it very briefly uh, mm-hmm. while you were uh, summarizing uh, this match right. i think he came in as uh coincidentally as a concussion substitute for steve smith and then he has played 50, i think he has made 50 plus scores uh, about four or five times since he came on right um but if you compare uh, steve smith's performance against england supposed to be best batsman 
right joe root i think joe root had a very middling uh, ashes this time around i think he i remember seeing a graphic which said he had an average of something like 32 or something in this mm. uh, five test series right um so i think he probably needs to yeah spend a bit more time out in the crease he had a 15 this match in the first innings i agree but uh, i think he needs to be a bit more consistent for his team especially the top order to uh, make a difference if the mm. openers keep failing Right. Uh, but, but coming back to the openers, do you think these two are now settled, Rory Burns and Jordan Lee? For me, they are settled going into the New Zealand tour at least. So mm-hmm. given how old Denley is, I mean, nothing against him, but he's 33 change. So if you want to invest in the future, mm-hmm. uh, maybe he's he's your option for the next two years if he really does the job well. But otherwise, if I were England's electoral team, I would say he should be on notice series by series but it's in his hands okay. as long as he performs every series he holds the role down right yeah. for example yeah. chris rogers came in for australia very late in the career and he was still able to do the job for about 18 months right mm-hmm. so that way he is the man in the job for me so the moment mm-hmm. they promoted him to open he showed that he has the metal to stick it out right mm-hmm. at the end of the day there are there is no such thing as beautiful runs or ugly runs right it's yeah. runs yeah. that count yeah. Yeah. he was able to do that in yeah. two tests so mm-hmm. for me the england opening partnership is settled Mm. Right, they have done a good job, and Joe Root should ideally come back at three. But I mean, this is still an ongoing discussion, right? Whether Joe Root should bat at four. For me, he's good enough to bat at uh, three. Mm. And what they have done in this test sort of suits the England batting mm. order mm. forward, right? Mm. Also, Ben Fox should he come in? It's a it's a really long discussion, but yeah. they have a bit of time. I think I counted somewhere it was about 65 days or 66 days left mm. until the next test that starts in New Zealand. So they go on a tour yeah. of New Zealand uh, down under. So. Yeah. That's the next series for them. For me, the opening partnership maybe even the top four or five is sealed. There yeah. comes the question of whether uh, both Butler and Bairstow belong, and whether Fokes comes into the squad. So this is a long-term discussion for me, right? What about the future yeah. of Fokes? And these are all the questions we need to answer. Mm-hmm. But uh, I heard a remark from uh, Shane Warne during the commentary in this match. Mm. What he said was, uh, Bairstow needs to give up his gloves, and Butler needs to uh, become the you know designated wicketkeeper in this team. And Bairstow needs to uh, move up the order, maybe number four or number five, maybe even number five. Right. Um, in that case, Butler can come out and play a role like, you know, maybe Adam Gilchrist because he's suited to uh, play such a role. I think he has the game to mm-hmm. take or to counterattack when there is a collapse, top order collapse. So he can do that. So uh, I, I don't know if, if Bairstow wants to keep and England team play him as a keeper only because he wants to. Maybe they should think about it. And if Ben Fox, like you said, comes in, comes back in, I mean, I don't know if they have place for three keepers in this side. This it's an amazing uh, problem to have for them. Um, and talking about keepers, Tim Payne, I think, is also on a series by series, uh, you know, notice, right? He's also 34, right? 34, 35. The question I have is, is he going to be the captain of the Australian cricket team until the uh, end of this World Test Championship? That's a good point. So for me, look, you you gain a lot of prestige and you gain a lot of, uh, let's say, kudos from the Australian cricketing public the moment you bring Ashes home. Mm. So he's the first captain to bring Ashes home since, I think, Mark Taylor or Stephen War somebody, right, 18 mm. years ago. Mm. Mm. So that gives him a fresh lease of life. And in Australian cricket, we have clearly seen there are people like uh, Hussey, who's performed until he was 36 change. Mm. There was Rogers himself, Chris Rogers, mm. who went on until he was 36, 37, right? So, and even Hayden, I think, played on until 36. Absolutely, so, yeah. So, mm. there is still a precedence. Okay, him being a keeper, it takes a higher toll on his body for sure, mm. right? Mm. But I think he can go on another two years. 
he is definitely the skipper in the upcoming uh, let's say summer season of australia mm-hmm. okay. given how he performs i yeah. would say he might actually retain the skipper uh, position until end of the world test championships this is one more season from that right mm-hmm. so until 2021 uh, let's say summer so it's highly likely he might actually retain the position of skipper so barring a really bad couple of series or him he himself actually struggling he didn't do much of note in the series 150 right but then maybe he mm. has to improve on his drs uh, reviewing and other things mm. but you know he's able to do he's able to actually there is a lot of chirping there's a lot yeah. of chirping going on by the australians but nothing nasty yeah, yeah. right so he sort of bringing that old um, let's say culture of australia of talking but still staying within the line so to say so that's probably tim paine's influence i would say but mm. he has this positive influence and maybe they want to take it forward yeah well i yeah. mean there are always people who say pain is just keeping it until smith comes smith is eligible for captaincy in, uh, from next april april 2020 onwards i think mm-hmm. so they just say he's the guy keeping the seat warm but in any case he's you know if you remember uh, the sledge by rishabh pant yeah baby seat temporary skipper or uh, whatever right <laughs> i think yeah. it doesn't hold water anymore the moment you've captain in an entire ashes series you are position as a skipper of a australian team is sealed and if you went back home with the urn you've done mm. something that's not done in nearly two decades so your let's say future is sort of settled as a skipper yeah. that's my way of thinking i think there was a remark by harsha bogle during uh, india australia series uh, ah. earlier this year right uh, tim pain did not do well batting wise and although he's a good keeper and i think he uh-huh. uh, posed a question maybe to shane warne if i'm not wrong or ricky ponting i don't remember who the other guy was uh, so he said uh, will tim pain be part of this test team because you know he's not batting so well and then the retort from the the other commentator was no no he's out there as a wicket keeper not as a batsman so he will always keep his place in the team because he's a proper keeper so he might as well continue playing until the end of this world test championship Pro- uh, definitely as a keeper uh, although they also have matthew wade who is also batting not so bad at the moment um but just just want to you know uh, throw some light on the world test championship table at the moment at the end of this ashes just read uh-huh. out how many points each team has Go for uh, just just to give a, a brief insight into how this works so each team plays uh, six test match series with uh, each series being uh, given a full 120 points which will be you know distributed amongst the two teams which play in that uh, series based on how many wins or draws there are Uh, at the moment uh, the top of the table uh, is held by uh, the indian test cricket team with 120 points uh, by virtue of their victory in west indies against west indies of course and then uh, the second and third positions are held by new zealand and sri lanka with respectively 60 points each and then come australia and england uh, with 56 points each because they also drew this ashes series to all although Australia get to keep the ashes because they won it uh, back home uh, and all the other teams west indies south africa bangladesh and pakistan have yet to open their account so this is where it stands right now amongst the nine test playing countries so uh, the way it works the calculation is every series every test match series uh, like i said is uh, 120 points if they play a two match series then uh, the points are distributed uh, if it's a win or if it's a tie or a draw as 60 30 and 20 respectively if it's a three uh-huh. match series then it's 40 20 and 13 for a win tie or a draw if it's a four match series then it will be 30 15 and 10 and then if it's a five match series like 
the recently concluded ashes it's mm. going to be 24 12 and 8 which is why you see australia and england having 56 points as against new zealand and uh, sri lanka on 60 and india on 120 points so it's very interesting format so uh, if you count the total number of points that are to be had so you have 120 points played across six series so you can get a maximum of 720 points so yeah so it's it's very interesting uh, we'll keep following this because uh, with every series will this points tally will get refreshed uh, and at the end i think the top two teams will play the final at lords mm, uh, in 2021 yeah. summer right. of 2021 so very interesting i really like this uh, test championship idea yeah look forward to that but apart from that anything else you want to highlight here I mean, I remember somebody funnily saying in one of the other cricketing podcasts we listened to. So they were saying um, when England are competing with Bangladesh or New Zealand for a semi-final spot in the World Test Championship, uh, these points will come very handy. It's very important that they win. So I, mm. I just sort of reco- recollected that this was in the lead up to the last test. right? Mm. Mm. So England have done that. But yeah. for me, one of the other real conundrums that Australia faces is the opening uh, partnership conundrum. right? Yeah. So going with Warner or... Marcus Harris also got four tests and he has really not done much either, Mm. right? And then they had already had another opener who also did not do much. So they're sort of in a limbo. What, which way do they go really, Mm. right? Mm. So you had Marcus Harris, you had Usman Khwaja who got injured and maybe, you know, Usman Khwaja, he comes back into the equation shortly as well. So for them, do they actually uh, let go of Warner? He's been given five full tests now and we know his record in, England is not very strong, but even by his standards, he had just 150 plus score. Mm. Marcus Harris did not even have that, but Marcus Harris was the incumbent, right? Mm. Going into the ashes. So mm. it's sort of a tough choice. What are your thoughts on this? Well, uh, uh, I am a believer that David Warner should be given a longer run. I don't think they should mm. drop him because mm. he, I firmly believe, and this is my you know, prejudiced opinion, he's the uh, Sevag of Australian cricket test, test cricket team, okay? So Sehwag also had a very bad run, I think, in the towards the middle of his career, Indian uh, cricket career. Uh, and he was when he was playing as an opener, he you know he got caught behind. He had those early dismissals, but then he came back. He always came back, and he always made such telling contributions at the top of the order. Just remember that uh, chase uh, in Chennai. You remember that uh, against England, I believe, uh, wasn't that in Chennai 2000, 2008? Was it? I do. I do. Yeah. Yes. So. David Warner is capable of such performances and he for an opener he has an average of 45 plus and that's a very good average right I mean openers always fall early that's a very tough job to be an opener of a test cricket team so so he should be given a long run he should be given another series before they think about what to do with him he's just I think uh, I saw this uh, analysis done by uh, probably Nasir Huzar I don't remember who did it Mm -hmm. they compared how he played against Stuart Broad uh, when Australia came out to bat every single time. I think the last three instances that he batted, the first instance, he took an off-stump guard, so he basically covered uh, his stumps. The second instance, he took a middle and off guard. And in today's instance, he took a leg and middle guard, uh, middle and leg, right? right? So the question is, he doesn't know or he is not able to find out where his off-stump is. So he's always playing out at those deliveries which are angling in, but he's still well outside off-stump. So he's getting out you know, while trying to leave the ball uh, the ball just, you know, kissing the face of the bat. There was one such dismissal in the last test match as well. So it's probably just short on confidence. Maybe something like KL Rahul is going through right now for uh, Indian cricket team. So he may need a rest, 
but there is no uh, test series coming up or a no test match coming up in the near future so he needs a few months i think few weeks off and that will do him a world of good maybe go back to uh, playing the limited uh, overs format make some runs there and then come back with a bit more confidence but he should be given a longer run i think he should be given a longer run about marcus harris i'm not too sure um he looks uh, you know uh, similar to a david warner mold but i'm not sure he's still a young guy maybe they need to stick with him there was a, i remember there was also another opener i can't remember what his name was uh, i think bankrof yeah he he sat out right he had a couple of uh, test matches at the uh, beginning of the ashes and then he didn't do so well the backup opener himself is not doing so well uh, so it's indeed a problem but they need to stick with devon warner they need that experience i was actually expecting that he would go all guns blazing today at least you know show some positive intent and uh, come back trumps over uh, broad and uh, archer but it was not to be anyway um yeah they need to stick with him and uh, khwaja i don't know uh, i don't know if he has to open the uh, innings for australia he still i think he should still play at number 3 for me khwaja All right. comes back yeah well labushkarni has done enough to sort of make the position mm-hmm. in the top 6 zone you know yeah. it might mean if khwaja comes in and if they want to have khwaja there maybe Khwaja might be at three, yeah, and then you know Labushkarni goes to five. I don't think they'll do much with Smith. Smith is at yeah. four; he'll stay there. Yeah, Wade may miss out then, or you know they may play both Wade and uh, Khwaja. But then I would say Khwaja is also sort of dropped out of favor, right? So mm. maybe it'll be Wade versus Khwaja when he comes back. Mm. Which Marsh has done enough, I would say. He took a five for this test. He didn't do much with the bat. He had a chance, but. Mm. Uh, Australia is desperately looking for an all-rounder who can do the job of, let's say, Ben Stokes. Right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Ben Stokes is quite extraordinary for sure, but <laughs> they are they are looking for somebody who can do the role of a Ben Stokes, right? Mm-hmm. So in this case, we'll have to see if he can do the role there. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's going to be interesting going forward. But as far as England are concerned, the rest of their lineup is also settled. Mm-hmm. Only you know there were some questions that needed answering and i would say the last test has proven the way forward for them but australia will need a bit more introspection their bowling attack is wonderful so i would mm-hmm. say the way the bowling attack bowled and the way they were handled both were exceptional mm-hmm. so cummins and uh, hazelwood uh, would be starting most games and siddle would be there or stark would come back depending on you know the type of pitch and what sort of a role that is required and lion is being lion he was good even today or even yesterday he was really good so yeah uh, that attack is sort of sorting itself out and pain slots in as a keeper then you need to pick a top 6 there so mm. it's going to be an interesting upcoming uh, series as far as australia is concerned when they go home i think they they host uh, pakistan if i'm not wrong so that's going to be a good series because pakistan mm. also will come with a fast uh, and a good bowling lineup because i don't know if you saw this uh, mohammad hasnain has been uh, asked to, come, to back come back yeah. in the first class uh, I, I did read trophy. this yeah. yeah right his noc has been withdrawn from cpl it's it's sort of a bit of a knee jerk one things if he was mm-hmm. ever issued one mm-hmm. why they issued it is a question but maybe it's the change in management right is the k what is it kaytayazam right kaytayazam trophy yeah kaytayazam yeah is and wahabriyas has taken an indefinite break from uh, red ball cricket i read yeah so he wants to focus on white ball cricket maybe he's also okay. in the twilight of his career so he's 34 plus that yeah. seems reasonable Right. Yeah. Amir has retired so who do they have I mean we'll we'll talk about this in maybe another episode about Pakistan but uh, because you mentioned Hasnain I'm I'm a fan of you know Terawe fast bowlers so of I really course. like to see that guy play in uh, Pakistani whites right I mean I hope uh, you know he is given enough time to mature because hmm. not every 19 year old 
can be you know an akram mm-hmm. and why i'm saying that is there shahin shah afridi already who's playing mm-hmm. so there shahin shah afridi there would be hasnain there would be hasan ali would be back and probably somebody like fahim ashraf uh, they would look at somebody like that who would be mm-hmm. forming the rest of the attack so it's mm-hmm. indeed it's a detailed discussion that can happen again in a different uh, episode yeah now if you were to quickly go forward i think uh, the t20 between india and south africa was rained out in dharamshala i think you had some thoughts about it kiri about the scheduling of this match at dharamshala what was that again <laughs> well i had i have thought about everything uh, i have an opinion uh-huh. about everything and one of uh, in this case it's just that you know a t20 series being play being played in the middle of a monsoon season where it happens to rain i guess uh, in uh, in the northern part of the country towards the end of the summer so which is september right so uh, maybe they should have thought about uh, the weather conditions before actually you know uh, planning a match there having said that mm. the next two matches will be played at mohali uh, yeah. and uh, bangalore uh, right bangalore right. Yeah. yeah bangalore of course yes yeah. so and i don't like that you know playing a t20 match in bangalore i've talked about this earlier i don't like that <laughs> it's not it's a bowling graveyard no no yes yes i hate that <laughs> well rcb is the home team and we know how well RCB no yeah plays. of course yeah yeah right yeah. now but i mean going back to what you said you know they say there is a saying about opinions do you know what it's it's not a politically correct one so to say but i know opinions are like dash dash everybody has yeah. one exactly you need you, you need to have that so it's it's not a bad it's not a bad thing right so going forward there is also the t20 tri series going on between bangladesh afghanistan and uh, zimbabwe so mm. there have been some very interesting matches going on there so considering that it's played in bangladesh and you know can be also a rain threat here and there and going on so in the first game of the series uh, bangladesh beat zimbabwe there was this zimbabwe team that was hobbled together at the last minute with the board being uh, welcomed back in and they came to play under lachan rajput the coach they are sort of performing well you see them fielding well so bangladesh made 148 for 7 they chased down zimbabwe's 144 for 5 this was purely thanks to one player afif of Afif Hossein. So this is the player who made a 50 out of just 26 balls and sort of really stole the match from under Zimbabwe because Zimbabwe had reduced Bangladesh to 60 for 6 in the chase. Mm. So there was very high likelihood that Zimbabwe would win but against mounting run rate he had just Mossadegh Hossein for company who played a very mature and a calm innings and they took the game. So it was a bit of a disappointment as far as Zimbabwe was concerned but in the second game um Afghanistan who are now, now the masters of the T20 it looks like they're on a 12 match unbeaten streak since the beginning of 2018 i saw so they beat uh, zimbabwe comfortably again they overpowered zimbabwe so to say because they batted first and made uh, 197 for 5 with a lot of good contributions they now have a new opener rahmanullah gurbaz who's also the keeper of the squad he's very much in the mold of uh, mohammad shahzad i dare say at least in the shorter forms this guy can be the replacement of shahzad does he look like him uh no he's no, a much okay. more uh, international cricketer size so uh, okay okay leaner not a club cricketer size okay. and he hits out he hits exactly the way shahzad does and he also sort of can flip between the two ways shahzad can be we can we see that because he made 43 of 24 in his debut inning right okay and then the rest of the middle order contributed and uh, najibul asadran made 69 and uh, mohammad nabi made 38 out of just 18 so the old war horse is coming really good nabi who retired from test recently right yeah the last one so okay he did that and uh, they beat uh, zimbabwe because zimbabwe also fought they came to 169 for 7 but that was not going to be enough they knew the chase was not going to be completed so they did their bit uh, their bit there mm. so uh, 
what happened that is not normal at least as far as this chase is concerned or the setting of the target was concerned was there were seven sixers hit in seven balls nabi hit four and zadran hit three mm-hmm. in seven consecutive balls seven sixers were hit and uh, sort of a flagging afghan inning suddenly got a boost of 42 runs in just seven wow. balls this is in- incredible Yeah. and uh, that was nice to see if you are uh, watching this uh, match live i happened to be catching it live and it was crazy they just went berserk right mm. so in the last match of the match that happened today afghanistan beat bangladesh so afghanistan continued to have their stranglehold over bangladesh in this tour they beat them in the test earlier comfortably so now you know they seem to show that they have this complete mastery over the conditions as well as the home team so that's great to see so again batting first they were in a bit of trouble they were 3 for 19 and 4 for 40 in a t20 but then from there uh, asgar afghan stood up this time he made 40 and mohammad nabi made 84 again out of just 54 balls and they took them to 164 for 6 it was sort of a middling sort of a target it was not a very great target but their openers uh, did really well the opening bowlers especially mujibur rahman who took three wickets for 12 in his first spell and that went you know bangladesh were going to be struggling so they were 3 for 31 and 4 for 32 later from there they couldn't recover and they were only able to come to 139 all out in the last over so in spite of a 44 from bahamudullah they couldn't do much so again the spinners did really well with of course rashid khan taking uh, two wickets and gulbadin naib taking two wickets farid ahmed left arm fast bowler from afghan took the last two wickets so all in all this is going to be you know it looks like afghanistan will be sort of sealing their position for the final but uh, it's going to be one of bangladesh or uh, zimbabwe both have a chance here so let's see how it goes but i would back bangladesh to make the final so if you were to quickly look at some of the other news from outside of the cricketing field pollard has been named as the t20 and the odi captain so first of all he was not even in the odi team he couldn't make mm-hmm. the odi team of the world cup but he's been brought back into the odi team and maybe based on the bad performance of west indies in the world cup i think mm-hmm. older so he's been relieved of captaincy of the odi team and the t20 mm-hmm. team and brathwaite was the captain of the t20 team they have been yeah. taken out and pollard has been named as a skipper what are your thoughts on this kiri so they basically rolled out the red carpet uh-huh. to welcome their old hero right right so he's been playing franchise cricket all over the world so he finally gets his spot now i think we we had him in our uh, team prediction for the world cup the mm-hmm. 50 over world cup earlier this year and it was a surprise to us or shock to us that he wasn't included even though he was fit I am pretty sure West Indies will do well. I'm not sure about its captaincy, but I think the wealth of experience he brings from playing a shorter format of a game all game all around the world, I think uh, he will do well. And uh, yeah, with the T20, T20 uh, with the T20 World Cup coming uh, we're coming up next year, I think uh, this will stand them in good stead. Indeed, I I think it's a good move overall. I mean, it looked like they were also looking at the fact that he wanted to do it. it was not like it was going to be thrust upon him like it was on holder he was keen to do it that's a good thing to see right uh, let's see i mean we wish pollard all the best so yeah, yeah. going forward i think he's able to bring some glory back to the limited overs teams uh, we know holder is doing all right barring a small blip in the series against india i think holder is doing all right in the long for longer format let's hope pollard is able to do that in the shorter format right so there was also this um, T20 tri series going on between Netherlands Ireland and uh, Scotland uh, to make up for the postponed Euro T20 slam mm. so in the first match of this series was also rained out in Malahide in Ireland so this was between yeah. Netherlands and Ireland it could not go through yeah. so one person i would like to bring uh, to notice is a young opener who's representing Netherlands for the first time at least he's in the squad his name is Vikram Jit Singh 
Mm-hmm. I got a chance to watch this guy. He's a left-hand opener. He's 16 years old. Really? Okay. Man, he's a real talent. I got to see him live in one of the top-class matches here in the Netherlands. Okay. He's just 16. He, he looks well-built for a 16-year-old lad. Uh, he's, I'm sure, eating all the cheese and milk from the Netherlands. But uh, <laughs> he's also a medium-fast bowler who can take the bowling first change. Right? Oh, okay. So he's very exciting. And he batted very composed. And I'm hoping he's able to bring uh, big things for ne- Netherlands cricket in the upcoming years. Right? He could be the next uh, Rant and Oshkata or somebody. So I'm okay. really... Hard-hitting batsman or uh, is he... Uh, no, no. He's a proper batsman. The, what I saw of him, he batted 10 plus overs. Up to 15th over, I think he batted. And he looked very comfortable leaving the ball and, you know, playing the waiting game against the fast bowlers and taking the game to the spinners. He had both the components that I saw. That's and nice. when I saw him bowl, he has the he can take uh, the let's say the first change bowling. So he has a lot to offer, and he's only 16 change. So I'm really really looking forward to this guy. And how next time, tell me where he plays. I'll come and watch. I'll try. I'll try to keep him yeah? updated. It'll have to be probably the next season, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. All right. So we saw the news that Strauss and Boycott have been uh, awarded the knighthood. Uh, mm-hmm. Theresa May, in her uh, let's say so to say the resignation letter, almost has nominated <laughs> these two people as the knighthood uh, nominees and uh, what are your thoughts on that uh, Strauss I think we saw it coming right for all his work yeah, yeah. both with the England cricket on and off the field as well as his charity mm. concern yeah, he's raised a charity in the name of wife who died recently mm. he sort of fits into the role and it was sort of coming for him I'm sure right mm-hmm. what about boycott well in my opinion uh, just like boycotts you know I think he should have been knighted much before Alistair Cook so the the one of the best opening batsmen that England cricket team had he should have been knighted even before Alistair Cook. But it's good to see that he gets uh, this knighthood finally. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to stay steer clear of the controversy that he was once involved in. So I'm not going uh, to talk about it. I will leave that to you. But I'm a fan of boycott. So I, I think it's very good to see that. Uh, we're going to see that sir, you know, alongside his name, Sir Jeffrey Boycott. It's going to sound good. for Indeed. Indeed. I mean, he deserves it on his cricketing achievements, no doubt. And also, he is one of the people who believes he, he needed to have it already 25-30 years ago. But there was this unfortunate <laughs> domestic violence incident uh, in France. And also, he's not exactly an establishment man. He's sort of irreverence to the establishment, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. somebody in his position could have been a former MCC head. All of these things could have happened. All the establishment roles he could have taken up, right? Yeah, he's a straight I talker, right? I mean, he's a straight talker. He, you know, yeah, calls yeah. a spade a spade. But if you look at Strauss, they are two contrasting personalities. And Strauss is the gentleman. Strauss is also a very straight talker, apparently. No, but he knows how to, uh, you know, uh, how to shape his sentences, how to use a certain word in a certain way without, you know, Ah, insulting somebody directly. I mean, I was listening to this podcast, the Spin podcast, and in that David Gower was the guest and he said something very funny. He said, England uh, establishment is just correcting a small, you know, error. Uh, mm-hmm. typo because in his passport probably it was always Sir Jeffrey Boycott so he's probably <laughs> given his name as Sir Jeffrey his first name oh, how apt how apt so they're just correcting a small you know error in uh, lithography or you know just the way yeah. they put things on paper so yeah. anyway apart from the jokes look his his contribution to cricket cannot be denied and given that he retired as the top scoring batsman test batsman I think he deserves it and uh, congrats to both uh, Strauss and uh, Boycott for their knighthoods well deserved yeah. So the last thing I would like to say in this other news section is that uh, All India Radio have teamed up with BCCI and have secured a two-year contract to broadcast all Indian international and domestic matches, both men and women's, right, over radio. 
and this will also be available on youtube i heard so this is fantastic fantastic news for the likes of me who likes to, who love to follow cricket uh, by listening to it live cricket especially at least the longer formats so it will be fantastic right so i hope this is not a one time thing and this thing continues because if you've seen the popularity of something like test match special or guerrilla cricket were able to give a ball by ball commentary of cricket and therefore it should be more uh, younger generations in india and abroad should also take it up so it's a very good thing to have i would say yeah but so, i hope the commentary is not subdued i hope it's light hearted and you know humorous no no they keep it very light hearted i i had a chance to listen to this commentary for the india west indies series hmm it was available on the prasar bharati channel on youtube so it okay. was fantastic so it was it was relevant enough but not very uh, very straight and very you know very serious it, it was light hearted it was good hmm. okay nice all right going on uh, let's move on to the trivia section now so the trivia question from the previous episode was what is the best bowling analysis by a pakistan bowler in tests so it was sort of uh, in keeping with the topic we discussed about abdul kader's passing so our uh, keen listener yogesh has written to us with the right answer as usual but also he's provided some interesting trivia this is always a feature with yogesh means he always gives us some trivia so what he says is he was really unlucky he could have uh, emulated laker and taking 10 wickets uh, in the innings so this was 956 in lahore and it was against england so in this case tosif ahmed took the other wicket so tosif ahmed the other spinner took david capel who's the fast bowler who bats in the tail and it was very unlucky that kadir only had nine wickets right and there were seven lbws apparently in the 13 wickets that kadir took in his uh, test there were uh, seven lbws so it was very interesting that not a lot was spoken but in 1987 england team touring i would really be surprised because that was a tour where there was a lot of bad blood between a certain uh, mike gatting the captain of england and uh, shakur rana the empire so uh, never you mind so this is a topic for another day but all mm. in all it was still abdul kader so the trivia question for this week is when was the last ashes series drawn so when was the last drawn ashes series today we are discussing that there was a two all draw between england and australia so when was the last drawn ashes series and how many series so far have been drawn so there are two components to this question so we wish uh, all our listeners a good luck with this question and you can write into us either via social media at armcheck with pod or uh, via the facebook page or you could write in as a comment on any of the apps that you use for example or you could write to us at armchecktalk@gmail.com you could also share your thoughts about how you think our podcast is going or you could talk about this with your cricketing friends so it will do us uh, you know some uh, good because if you discuss this with your friends we get more listenership and we get more ideas on how to do the podcast we are always looking forward to that there is quite a lot of cricket coming up there is the south african tour of india that has begun and there is this ongoing tri series bunch of tri series and lot of other cricket also to look forward to so i hope you do stay tuned in having said all that it's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from him bye bye You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.